Sadly, even after Roe v. Wade was overturned, Virginia remains a state where abortions are allowed to the point of birth. But there's hope. There's a trend gaining ground among Virginia cities who are voting to become safe zones for life. Welcome to Speak Up Virginia, equipping you to speak up on the life, family, and freedom issues that matter most to you. From the Family Foundation, I'm your host, Candy Cushman, with our president, Victoria Cobb. Well, Victoria, I noticed on Facebook that this happened again. You got reprimanded for being that parent doing the sideline coaching. What happened? (laughs) All right. So first of all, the reprimand came from my child's coach, who happens to also be my spouse. <laughs> so oh, I didn't get that far. That, that is an important note. Um, <laughs> so it, it, the first thing I will say is that some of it is because of where I sit. I am that parent that literally sits, there's like right behind home plate you can sit. And I really like that because my kids pitch and I want to see how they're doing from like a perfect line. And so anyway, you are right behind the umpire and parents are not supposed to comment. And The other thing I'd like to say is that I was commenting on my own child recommending that he cover second base longer. He let off the base, and unfortunately, they went to throw the ball, and there was no one on second base. So it was at least about my own kid. It was nothing negative, but my husband looked at me, and and then he goes to the up ump. I got her taken care of, and I was like, okay, okay. But anyway. What exactly were you yelling? uh, I was just telling my kid that he can't release himself from second base that fast because he, you know, then so, wasn't able to make the out. But also, I will mention the ump then at the end of the game was – is a, I didn't realize he, he he knows Matt and I. I forgot who he was. Uh, Matt knows all these people. But anyway, he goes, he goes, don't worry. I would never get in between you and Matt. So I'm not going to comment. If he wants to get, put himself in the doghouse, he can. So it was all good. Yeah. So the reality here is he actually has two coaches, two parent coaches. Yes. um, (laughs) That's the reality. Most kids have at least one parent that loves sports. My kid has two. And I will also tell you that I'm kind of known for this. So, And Matt thinks it's hysterical. We were watching basketball one time, one of my children playing basketball. And I don't realize, and at least when you're on the stands, it's a little different than behind home plate. That's where you really should shut your mouth. But on the stands, you know, whatever. You're yelling like with all the other parents. But one time he decided to take out a phone and video me to show me what I look like. And I have to be honest, that cooled me off for a little while. Okay. And you can't use the disclaimer, it's just my kid, because that's when it's the worst when when we're yelling at our kids. I'm not negative. I'm just helpful. Okay. (laughs) Well, it does bring up a memory I have um, when my brother was little and he was playing soccer. My mom and I went crazy cheering for him. And he came up afterwards and he's like, y'all can cheer for me, but can you just use a different name? And then I only, (laughs) only I know that it's me you're cheering for and no one else knows who you're yelling for. That'd be great if he gave you like a really weird name that would never be another kid. It was Harry. I remember. (laughs) Harry? (laughs) I guess there aren't that many kids named Harry. That's fair. (laughs) All right, well, we've got an exciting topic today that I think really will encourage a lot of our listeners, and that is we are seeing this trend start to develop in Virginia, creating sanctuary cities for life or safe zones for life. You know, it's interesting that southwestern Virginia helped lead the way, if you remember, for the rest of the state when it came to rejecting these extremely radical transgender issue policies that cut parents out of the process. Well, here they go again in southwestern Virginia, leading redemptively in this other area. Victoria, bring us up to speed. Yeah, I mean, this is really exciting. So um, basically what you have, and I, I, you know, they are experiencing something that 
the rest of the state isn't necessarily experiencing, which is that they know that they are being targeted for abortion. What I mean by that, and this is really important for people to understand, is Southwest Virginia is close enough to Tennessee, Kentucky, and West Virginia, all of which each of those states are doing everything in their power to ban all abortion. And so basically they are kind of bordering places where you can't get an abortion. And this is all post-Dobbs, of course. This is a new day. And so what's happening is they are really being um, targeted for what they call tourism abortion or destination abortion. And so they've already, out in Bristol in particular, they've already seen a situation where a provider – Bristol's like a twin city is the best way to explain it. Like there's Bristol, Tennessee, and there's Bristol, Virginia. And they're basically the same, except there's a border in the middle. And so they literally have already had a provider of abortion, somebody actually that runs an abortion center that is also connected to the abortion center at the in the center of the Dobbs case, also happens to run the abortion center next to my house, which is very disappointing. Um, so all that to say, this is a major abortion provider, and they've taken the center that was in Bristol, Tennessee, and now since Tennessee has said, no, we don't want abortion here, they've moved it just a couple feet across the line into Bristol, Virginia. And so getting to what you're asking about, we're really excited that the citizens of Bristol said, we don't want this to happen. We want to step up and we want to be able to protect our area from being targeted by the abortion industry. Yeah, it's interesting what you're saying that with it being this twin city, they almost, you know, just moved right across the street. And what's more, they moved directly across a casino that I think was recently opened on the Virginia side of the line. And so the whole thing is just very exploitive. But also, the Twin City motto for Bristol City is Bristol is a good place to live. So we had a really encouraging time helping the citizens there just speak up that they want to keep their city a good place to live for all citizens, all residents, including the unborn. Yeah, that's right. And they found an awesome way to do this. You know, they knew the state of Virginia couldn't help them because we don't yet have a pro-life Senate. So they knew they weren't going to have a law that was going to block this. But they figured out a way to do that themselves. And that is by passing a zoning ordinance that would prevent more abortion providers from entering into their city. And so it's really exciting because that's where our policy team got to be involved and our attorney to help them really work the best language possible to really not just prevent future centers, but the center that's there. That's not going to be able to expand. It's not going to be able to put a satellite. It's not going to be able to move locations. It's stuck. And from what we hear, it's stuck not in a very good spot, not for very long term. And so ultimately, we see it as a possibility where Bristol will have no abortion centers. Yeah. And one of the first ways we were really able to come alongside the citizens was to help them host a safe zone rally, a safe zone for life rally for their city. And it was just so heartening to see about 200 people showing up for this. They were all holding safe zone for life posters right there in front of the city council building. Uh, We did have a few adventures, so to speak, um, with this rally. You know, as soon as we got our little karaoke mic and our megaphone out, we were promptly told by a a city official that we couldn't use any amplification at all. And, you know, that's pretty challenging when you're talking about a group of some 200 people. But I have to give a shout out to this awesome Bristol resident, Donna Logston. She's a longtime resident there. And she led us in this really amazing rousing rendition of the Star Spangled Banner without any mic at all. And it was just um, very um, loud and patriotic and everybody joined in. So let's just hear a clip for that for a moment.
another really emotional moment during that rally was the testimony of a woman named Stephanie Adkins who courageously shared her story. And that was basically when she was 17, she was actually directed by her school counselor on how to avoid her state's law. And her state's law was dealing with parental consent. And her counselor actually told her how to cross the line and actually kind of helped her do that so that she could have an abortion without her parents even knowing and, again, escaping the state law of where she was and even provided passes for her to get out of class and a pass for her friend that drove her. And, I mean, the whole thing is just disturbing. Let's listen to her describe that at the city council. He excused me from school on the day of my abortion. He cashed a check of mine out of school funds for my abortion. He um, excused the girl that I took with me uh, from school. And um, I just want to let you know that when young women and girls find themselves with an unexpected pregnancy, they are easily manipulated into doing something that they will regret for the rest of their lives. I thought Stephanie's testimony really drives home the reality that at the end of the day, abortion is a failure of a community to adequately support women who find themselves in unplanned pregnancies. What Bristol residents are just simply trying to do here is tell the city that they're ready as a community to handle the needs of their own neighbors that find themselves in this situation. And they don't want to be exploited by the abortion industry to have to handle all these women who are being failed by their communities elsewhere. That's right. And the really good news is the city council listened to them and ended up taking this precedent-setting vote on the issue. We're going to explain more about that in a moment and what it means for the rest of the state. Want a chance to win a personal tour of the state capitol with Delegate Nick Freitas and Victoria Cobb? In celebration of reaching our 100th episode of Speak Up Virginia, we've made it easy for you to enter. Just go to FamilyFoundation.org and click on the Win a Tour banner. That's FamilyFoundation.org. I wanted to first mention something else, and that is another encouraging thing about this Safe Zone for Life movement was how we really saw the churches turn out for this. Yeah, I mean, we're pointing that out, unfortunately, because sometimes we see that that's not the case. A lot of times we go out at the school board hearings or we go out in the General Assembly and it's like the clergy are silent when they ought to be leading. But in Bristol, what was really cool is I'm thrilled to say the opposite was true. We had at least six pastors and clergy show up to speak up for saving lives at the city council that day. In fact, there was a line out the door of city at the city council meeting of local residents and clergy that basically reached fire marshal capacity. So we basically couldn't get everybody in the room. Um, so we had to kind of have people outside just yeah. kind of praying outside the doors. We have people praying outside. It's not a bad thing. Well, in fact, several of the city council members commented um, during the meeting that it was the largest crowd they'd ever seen in that building. And, you know, I, I just I do think that spoke powerfully to them. And one of the most powerful statements I thought ended up coming from Father Chris Hess of the St. Anne's Catholic Church there in Bristol. And what he was talking about is how a couple of weeks ago he had had a reporter from Sweden, of all things, visit his church because she was covering a story on the arrival of this abortion center in Bristol, Virginia. And why did they care about that? Why she? I think she was working for a major publication in Europe. And why did they care? Because they're seeing Bristol as the center point of what's going on with our nation and how Bristol, he explained how this shows Bristol, this more rural town that's generally more conservative is now in danger of becoming this destination, as you said at the beginning, uh, used by the abortion industry to protect its profits. He pointed out that the city 
is now actually listed at the top of a website displaying places where women from other states that actually restrict abortion could go to get one. And I think the way he put it is, we are in danger of becoming this multi-state abortion provider. Yeah, I I just think it is so important for the city council members at that meeting to see hundreds of people, including church leaders. Because remember, I I heard from one or two of those church leaders that some of the city council members actually attend their church. So they're actually seeing their own clergy speaking, which is really unbelievable and powerful. Um, But it's just important for them to see that, that visual demonstration, because again, and I don't I don't want to sound sort of too practical, but these are elected seats. These are people who vote for them. In fact, Bristol City, you know, that those elections are this year. And so it's it's really important for them to understand that. And honestly, the, the vote was really exciting. We had a unanimous vote. And I think that was a lot in part because of the people that were there and the pressure they felt. Um, hopefully they just wanted to do the right thing. But I know that the pressure added to it. And it was really cool because it garnered all these headlines really around the nation because it was marking a first step towards preventing more election abortion facilities from invading the city. And so we hope this safe zone for life is spreading. And in fact, we're already seeing evidence of that. There are two other Southwest areas that have counties that have already passed resolution saying like, we want to affirm that we are a life-giving county and that's Russell and Tazewell. But also, we also see Washington County coming right on the radar behind them. Washington County is right next to Bristol. So we think they're a really vulnerable county. And so it's just great. And we love that the Family Foundation staff has gotten to be a part of this and kind of come alongside and recommended language and all that stuff. Yeah. You know, I got to say the actual back and forth that happened while we were watching that final vote was pretty interesting. You know, it felt like a lot of the city council members at first, they seemed to want to kind of take more of the easy route and kind of hide behind waiting for a city attorney opinion. You know, there was a very bold city councilman, Kevin Wingard, that was kind of really leading the charge here. We want our city to be a safe zone for life. But then it seemed like at first, at least all the others were kind of, like I said, trying to take the safe route and just saying, um, well, let's see what the city attorney says. Well, it quickly became very apparent to all of us that the city attorney was not necessarily friendly to this cause. Um, that that seemed to come out more and more. What, what were your thoughts on kind of how all that played out? Yeah, the city attorney. OK, first of all, to be fair, all city attorneys, their job is to keep the board out of litigation. Anything you do in this direction is going to be challenged because the abortion industry is clinging with every desperate, you know, grasp onto their abortion facilities. And so, of course, it would be challenged. And so he's, you know, he's very risk adverse, I'm sure, and definitely was, I think, trying to get them to, at a minimum, not pass it until he could give his official opinion, which looked like it was going to be bad. He it was giving us, like was gonna be he was giving us previews of what was coming. And so, um, but I'm just so proud of that at City council member that you mentioned because he just kept pushing it forward and saying like why can't we vote now why would we want to wait and you know the best part was where he said you know one abortion center is one too many and really that and he was and he was so clear the city council has the full authority to stop other clinics from coming in that's their job yeah and so he kind of laid it on the line we can vote now we don't have to wait on the city attorney right now he can turn in his opinion at any time and we we can go ahead and take the next steps and all the others were kind of looking around at each other. They looked a little stunned for a moment. I don't know if they saw that coming, that he was going to put it on the line like that. Um, but, you know, so I don't think they were ready for that. But I also don't think they wanted, like you were saying, to, to be seen as voting against a pro-life resolution in front of all those people. Um, so we ended up with a unanimous vote to go to the next step. And I just I really thought it was it was a God moment. It was a rewarding moment for the Bristol citizens that came out and spoke up for life. 
Yeah, it was a really rewarding moment for these Bristol residents to get to see that kind of a vote, but especially just to see his bravery. So Councilmember Kevin Wingard even made the point. He said, look, this is a matter of life and death. So let's just listen to a minute of his his comments. And we are ground zero. And I'm hoping that this council sees just how important this really is. It is life or death. So, Victoria, just to kind of summarize here, what does this mean for Bristol and the entire state? Well, it means for Bristol that we know what the intention is. Now the step is to actually make it happen. So there are more steps. Um, and that means it's got to go to zoning. we got to get past this county attorney who's still going to be trying to weigh in the whole time and all that. So there are more steps, and we'll we'll kind of keep paying attention and be involved with that. But also, we're excited to watch this spread elsewhere. So I think that's what it really means is that another county has now seen the courage of the city, and they can do the same. Victoria, I did want to just ask you about one part of this. And we saw some opponents out there that day holding these signs that were kind of obscure to other people, and they all said, Dylan Law. What on earth does that mean? And how are they trying to argue the concept of safe zones for life with that? Yeah, Virginia is what they call a Dillon rule state, and that is policy geekish kind of wording. I mean, you know, nobody in the brother that doesn't do this kind of work has a clue what that means. But what it means is that a locality really is only supposed to do those things which are permissible at the state level. So you're not supposed to have counties doing totally different things than what state policy is. And so what they're trying to claim, their claim is, Abortion is legal in Virginia, therefore a locality can't block it within its borders. Now, the, def- the when Dillon rule does not apply is when the law has expressly granted an, an authority to a locality to do something. And so Ooh. there are exceptions to the Dillon rule. And we're arguing that protecting human life and zoning ordinances are absolutely within the purview of a locality. And so um, it's I, I absolutely, I hate to say it, I'm sure ACLU and NARAL and all these groups will probably go to court and try to use this as the crux of why Bristol can't do this. Well, so I guess like so many other things, this could all come down to a legal battle in our court system. But it, it's wonderful to just see cities standing up like this for life at the local level. And again, just to summarize, why is this safe zone for life moment, do you think, especially key to the future of our whole state in the wake of Dobbs in particular? Well, we know that we now have the freedom to protect human life. And so even if we can't get it done at the state level yet, I think it's so important that communities are deciding for themselves that they want to protect human life. And I just can't wait to see that trend spread across the whole state. All right. Before we wrap up today with our satire segment, I just want to remind everyone how they can have a chance to win a personal tour at the state capitol with Delegate Nick Freitas and Victoria in celebration of reaching our 100th episode. We'll be randomly selecting 10 very fortunate people who correctly follow the win a tour steps we've provided online. To get started, just go to our website, familyfoundation.org, and look for the win a tour banner. Well, it's that time again. Time for our Inconceivable Moments Award. This is where we're featuring examples of the absolute lunacy and craziness that happens when cultural leaders try to give guidance completely apart from biblical principles. And we're calling this the Liberals' Most Inconceivable Moments Award. Inconceivable! You know, I'm kind of sad about this inconceivable today because I have to confess, I do really enjoy the Anne Hathaway movies. I have to admit, I did enjoy Princess Diaries. Yeah, my kids now are starting to enjoy that. And she has one of my favorite movies ever, The Intern. What a great movie! So that's why it's really sad that Anne Hathaway has apparently joined the vast ranks of the long list of Hollywood stars and woke libs 
who are pushing this whole trend of trying to convince everyone else that abortion is a compassionate form of health care. Let's just listen to this statement she made recently on The View when they were asking her to comment further on a tweet she had sent out a while back before supporting, quote, reproductive health. My own personal experience with abortion, and I don't think we talk about this enough, abortion can be another word for mercy. We don't know. We don't know. It's not a world in which we know that no two pregnancies are alike, and it Mm -hmm. follows that no two lives are alike, that follows that no two conceptions are alike. Mm So how can we have a law? How can we have a a, a point of view on this that says we must treat everything the same? Okay, let's just process that for a minute. Abortion can be another word for mercy. Victoria? Oh, I just, this is the same thing that we hear when they try to repackage abortion as compassionate health care. I hate that terminology every time I hear it. I hate the word health care associated with it. I hate the word compassion and mercy is just terrible. And it's so twisted when we think about God's mercy. And mercy is often like, think about it, like when someone's pleading for their life, they're screaming mercy for their life. And she's using mercy as a word replacing the concept of abortion that takes someone's human life. It's just terrible. Yeah, that's that's a really good point. You know, I also just think we've got to take a step back and realize where this whole trajectory is taking us. Some of us remember when the left is always trying to reassure everyone that they just wanted to keep abortion safe, rare, and legal. And within that, they were acknowledging that abortion is not the ideal. It's difficult. It's painful for many women. But now we keep seeing this push to deny that reality and move toward viewing it as almost a cure or even celebrating it. Yeah, it's terrible. And honestly, it's a little we're hearing it. And I'm familiar with it also in the euthanasia side of things where we're talking about ending lives and they're making it sound like because the life isn't fully functional, there's something physically wrong that that it's mercy that they don't have larger value than that. And, you know, I think Ryan Bomberger actually put it best in a recent article. He wrote, quote, Some claim abortion is a preemptive act that prevents someone from experiencing adversity. He said, what a horrible social policy. You don't eliminate the potential sufferer. You elevate the person who is suffering. Absolutely. And I also thought it interesting that one of Anne Hathaway's arguments was, how can we treat everything the same? You know, I'm like, wait a minute. I thought it was Roe that treated everything exactly the same. You know, mandating unlimited abortion on every state and city. I thought it was the overturning of Roe that actually allowed people to maybe do things differently in the states. Yeah, and I got to comment on one other thing that Anne Hathaway said in this. She said, this is not a moral discussion about abortion, but a practical conversation about women's rights. And then she wanted to call them human rights, which was kind of mind-blowing that she could talk about human rights um, in the context of taking a human being. But anyway, and I think, like, what she said, it just reveals that even at a subconscious level, she knows abortion is the taking of, of a human being. Well, at the end of the day, I do think regardless of what you think of abortion, if you are truly thinking logically, I guess we're losing that a lot today. But if you want to think logically, you can't divorce morality from an action that does end scientifically and practically a human being created in the image of God. I mean, it does that. Yeah. scientifically and practically. Yeah. And I mean, this has impact on the mom, too. I mean, we, we kind of she misses that completely. But we just heard about this in Bristol, how teen girls are, can be pressured to do something they don't even fully understand. Nobody talks about that. Yeah. That's why I'm a strong believer in our mission as Christians to empower communities to come alongside the mom in crisis and not leave her isolated. And that's why we continue to maintain, you know, on our website, a list of pregnancy resource centers so that people can find what they need in terms of support rather than thinking this is their only option. Yeah. And 
Victoria, thank you for ending on that positive note, uh, because I guess we do have to give this week's Inconceivable Award to Anne Hathaway for bringing the definition of mercy killing to a whole new dark level. Thanks for joining us for this week's Speak Up Virginia, brought to you by the Family Foundation. Visit us at familyfoundation.org. That's familyfoundation.org. See you next time. And don't forget, we are stronger when we speak together. Thank you.